I want to welcome all of you that are watching via YouTube. Trust that you're going to enjoy it with us and listening via iTunes. We started a series last week on the life of Joseph. Many of you are not aware of it, but the book of Genesis is made up of 50 chapters. Okay? 50 chapters. The first 11 chapters span 2,000 years. Okay? 2,000. The last 39 chapters are made up of Abraham, who? Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. From chapter 39 to the end, speaks on who? I mean 37, sorry, speaks on Joseph. That is 13 chapters spoken just about the life of Joseph. Why would so much of Genesis deal with one man? The reason being is that the, the, that his life is incredibly important. And if you go and really study it, and we had a brief glimpse of some of the truths that we find in Joseph's life, of he is a shadow of what is to come in Christ Jesus. And I shared with you some of the examples. He, he, he was betrayed by his... Jesus Christ was betrayed by his, right? And you can carry on like that. He was put into a pit. Jesus was put into a pit. Uh, what's his name? Ended up in prison. And just like that, he was elevated to the right hand of Pharaoh and became second in charge to, of the whole of Egypt. He became the top in charge, actually, second to, to Pharaoh. Same with Jesus Christ, who is seated now at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. There are many, many shadows, and you can go and listen to last week's sermon, and just get a glimpse of that, so that you understand the life of Joseph. If you understand the life of Joseph, you'll understand the life of Jesus. Okay? I shared with you some revelations in that regard. However, you need to know, that many of the tests that Joseph went through, the hardships he went through, the trials he went through, the tribulations he went through, are exactly the ones you're going to go through in your life. They might be packaged differently. They might look slightly different. But let me tell you, you're going to go through them. And I had someone saying, yeah, but then I must always be worrying for, waiting for some troubles. Yes, trouble is in, in you. It's in the post box waiting for you to just pick it up. That is life. Hello. We need to realize that is life. If we do not have trouble and hardship in our life, we will never experience and know the grace and the favor and the kindness of God. And we'll never appreciate it. Hello. That is part of the reason why we go through it, so that He can grow us and mature us, that we do not put our trust in ourselves or in man, but we put our hope and our trust in Him. Joseph was tempted. Every single one of us will be tempted. Somewhere at the time in your life. If not, many of you have already been there. Right? Do you remember those days? Uh, some of you are so old you've even forgotten that. Let me tell you, you went through it. Okay? There are many, many trials that he went through that you are going to experience. They just packaged differently. You, who, he was betrayed by his own brothers. Those that... He thought loved him the most. Who of you have been betrayed by the person you love the most? Yeah, you're going to go through it. It's just a package differently. So what do you do from his life? Learn the lessons. Learn the lessons from his life that 
you can stand victorious in those situations. The tragedies, sadly, we only become aware of the amazing truths in his life, sometimes too late, where we've already fallen. But that's okay. Repent, dust yourself off, and begin again. Right, <coughs> let's carry on in Genesis. Genesis 37, verse 12 through to 18. Are you ready? Can we read? Here we go. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, okay, Jacob said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flock near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flock. And bring back word, uh, bring back word to me. Then he sent, sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at where? Shechem. A man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I am looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Many of you read that and you think, why does God put this in the Bible? Isn't it? Why are you reading that? I've said it before and, and we'll continue to say it. Everything in the Bible is there for a reason. There's not one dot or tittle that is a waste. Okay? Where were they supposed to be found? Shechem. However, where were they? In Dothan. Okay? That is my title this morning. Where will God find you when he comes? In Shechem or in Dothan? Here, the brothers were supposed to be in Shechem. But they were not in Shechem. They were in Dothan. What is the meaning of Shechem? I've put it on screen there. The meaning of Shechem means place of refuge or grace. Dothan, on the other hand, is judgment, legalism, or law. Interesting, hey? They were supposed to be found in the valley of grace. And God wants us to live by His grace. He does not want us to live by laws and legalism. There's a major difference. There's a major difference. <coughs> For those of you that are not aware, Abraham built an altar at Shechem when? when? When God promised him the land of Canaanites to his seeds. Remember that? He, he, God made him this promise and he went and he built an altar at Shechem. He was given that because of what? Of God? The grace of God. Where was he given it? At Shechem. God did not need to give him that gift. It was purely the grace of God. The kindness of God said, I will promise you the land of the Canaanites. I promise it to you and to your seed, to your offspring, to your descendant. Where? At the land of Shechem, the land of grace. The land where God wants us to live. He wants us to live by grace, not by law. Now, I'm not one for trying to reinvent the wheel, so I've got a little YouTube clip here I want you to have a look at. I think it explains it brilliantly, and then I'll elaborate from there. So 
Listen carefully. Do not get bored. I'm telling you it's, it's, it's good. Okay? So listen carefully and grasp what it's saying. Here we go. Good, eh? Or brilliant? Brilliant, eh? Does it give you a clear understanding? You cannot fulfill the law without the love of God shed abroad in your heart. You cannot. Shechem became one of the central cities of refuge for Western Palestine, and the bones of Joseph were scattered there just by the way, or buried there, should I say, um, because that was his, his inheritance, that, the land of Shechem. Um, if you go and read in John uh, 4, you will see there's another story where Jesus comes, a woman at the well, and where was that? At Samaria, at a place called Shechem. Actually, it's, it's, it says in the Bible, Sychar, but it's, it's Shechem. Okay? Just a different way of spelling it. Okay? And when Jesus meets the woman at the well, what does he say to her? Won't you give me some water? And then she goes and says, but you're a Jew, I'm a Gentile, what on, I'm a Samaritan. What are you doing asking me to give you water? How, why would you do So he then twists it and he says, if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask for me to give you living water so that you will thirst no more. So he says, uh, uh, and she doesn't really understand what he's actually saying. So she says, she, she, she's asking now, what on earth are you trying to say? And uh, she doesn't grasp it. And then he's twisted and he says, um, tell me, just go and get your husband. So what does she answer him? I have no husband. So she says, wow, you're telling the truth. She says, you, you have had five husbands. Okay. And the one that you're living with now is not even your husband. But he didn't say you rotten, adulterous, slut. He doesn't go down that road as most people would do in this day and age. Hello? He doesn't do that. Where is he situated at this point in time? In Shechem. Jesus is the God of grace. We live in the dispensation of grace. We are to stay in the and be found in the land of grace. And here, here he speaks to her, and he says, where's your husband? And she, she says, no, it's not. And then he says, right, I'm, you're telling the truth. So she says, wow, you are a prophet of God. See, truly, you must be a prophet of God. Then Jesus says, believe me, I'm telling you a time is coming, and is right now. We true people that love me will worship me not based on law, but on, according to Spirit and truth, in other words, in sincerity and honesty and true love for me. And this is a key for us to stand uh, to understand when it comes to the to, comes to grace. You cannot fulfill the law outside of love for God. And I've I've counselled and sat with many people, and they are so concerned about doing things right, fulfilling this and doing that right, and you know. Dotting the I and you know crossing the T, and they are so concerned about that. And you know what God says: Do not go down that road. You are living under legalism. You are living under law when you do that. He says, "I want you to learn to just love me, because when you worship me in spirit and in truth, in sincerity, you will automatically fulfill the law." But if you're going to live by a set of rules and regulations, it is just going to get you down. 
You're going to become aware of sin, but you will live in condemnation. And Jesus says there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Matthew 5.17 says, uh, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus said that. He did not come to do away with it. In other words, they still stand. Hello. Imagine this world today, if, like he said there, if there was no liar or stealer or cheater or adulterer, this world would be a happy place, isn't it? Just by fulfilling those. But we cannot fulfill them without the love of Christ shed abroad in our heart. So with that as a foundation, I want to read John 8 verse 1 to 11. John 8 verse 1 to 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law, who the teachers of? Of the Torah, of the scriptures, of the Old Testament, okay? And the Pharisees, okay, brought in a woman caught in adultery. They bring this woman that's been caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, God commands us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis from which to accuse him. Okay? They bring this woman here, and they said, what do you say? Who of you would have been nipping if, that, if you were sitting there in Jesus' feet? Hey? What would you do? I would be nipping. And what does he do? He doesn't nip, he just says, bends down and writes in the sand. And what do you think he was doing? Dis- being disrespectful, dishonoring, you, you think he was doing that? What do you think he was doing? Come on, church. For to do what? To hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. How am I to answer these men? Because you must understand he needs to honor the law. But he is the God of grace. So he needs to fulfill the law. But at the same time, he needs to show grace and mercy and kindness, and forgiveness, and restoration. Why? Because He is the God of grace, and we live in the dispensation of grace. And He's writing there, because He's saying, right, what, how do you want me to answer this? When we come into a situation like that, do we want to and answer, and just give the, or do we say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this situation and circumstance? Funny how we like to twist the word of God to suit our own desire. They bring who the woman. What did the Bible? What does the Old Testament say? No, no, it doesn't say she must. Says the man and the woman, and they bring the woman only, and they embarrass her in front of everyone, and they say, "This woman was caught in adultery. Can you can you commit adultery with just one person?" Oh, interesting. They had to be the man as well. So they come there, and what do they do? They break the seventh commandment by lying. And we get so focused on she's committed the ninth, uh, she's broken the ninth commandment, committed out. What about them lying? And Jesus, he's so amazing because he's just full of grace. He doesn't say, you know, you are hypocrites, you whitewashed rags, you 
He doesn't go down that road. Doesn't. Yet he could have, right? And many a time we could do the same with others. Hello? But likewise others could do that to us. Yet we are to show grace as he shows grace. Verse 7. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stood down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older one first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked the woman, Where are are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Then he says something very key to grace. Go now and live your life of sin. Go now and change your lifestyle. Go change your way of doing things. But do you see what Jesus says? If any of you is without sin, let him throw the first stone. Can I ask any of you here, are there any of you without sin? Any. So not one of you can ever pick up a stone, right? In any situation or any circumstance, right? Hence, your role and my role is not to judge people. Our role is to show grace and mercy and favor and kindness and forgiveness. That is our role. We are never called to pick up stones, How dare you and I think that we have a right to pick up stones? Because to the measure that we judge others, so shall we be judged. And to the measure that we show grace and forgiveness and restoration, so shall we be shown. And here, the funny thing is the older people leave first. Because they've lived the longest and they've realized how much in life they are in desperate need of grace. Because they have boxed up so many more times. Hello. When we become, the older we become, the more we realize, you know, we need the favor and the grace and the mercy of God. Because we just, we just know in ourselves we can't. When we're young, we think, oh, no, man, you know, I, I can do this on my own. God, let me show you. I can serve you with, yeah, come on, come on. But when you get older, you realize, but by the grace of God, I stand. And Jesus says, we are your accusers. Is there no one to condemn you? And was there? No one. In the law you needed two witnesses. Okay? And then someone could be condemned. Judgment could be passed. Who stood there? One man. Jesus Christ. Mistrial. The God of grace came. Not to condemn this world, but to save the world. Go and read it. John 16. What? John 3 verse 17. says, He did not come to condemn the world. As many people try to make out. He did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He did not come to even judge, but to set us free. However, however, there will one day be two, maybe three present. 
when you stand before the judgment seat of God. And he will then say, and he will judge, and you, there will not be a mistrial. If you are living in known sin and you carry on and you want to ride on the grace of God, there will come a day where you will shed your own blood. If you want to carry on living in sin, God says, there will come a day that my grace will no longer abound. That's why we are living now in the dispensation of grace. May you be found in the grace of God. May you be found not trying to do things in your own strength. Because there will come a day that if you do, that there will not be a mistrial. Because you'll stand because before a righteous judge. And there will not be one. Then he says, then neither do I condemn you. And he says, go now and leave your life of sin. Go and stop doing things and riding on the kindness that I've shown you. Change your lifestyle. Who of us need to say, Lord, forgive me for riding on your grace? Because where grace abounds, sin abounds more. May we never sin more because of his grace. Because there will come a day that we will be found wanting if we carry on in our sin. I wrote, Jesus came to put holiness on a foundation of grace. Where grace sets us free from the law, but always upholds the law. And I believe that's very important for us to stand. It's not a either or, but a both end. I honestly believe that. And I think, and it's sad, many Christians don't. They want to do away with the law of God. And that's why we have such anarchy in this, day, this world today. Romans 13 verse 8 to 10 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be, are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, when you love God and you love people, as he has commanded us with all of our hearts, you automatically fulfill the law. You do not violate it. You don't go against his ways. But if you focused on fulfilling the law, you've missed the whole point. We need to be focused on loving him. When we focused on loving him, we will fulfill the law. Get out of the mentality that, oh, I must do this. And, uh, no, you must nothing. You must just love him. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. You must love him with all of your heart. And in so doing, you will fulfill the law. In other words, it's just to change your focus. And your focus is him. John 14 verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. In other words, you loving me will automatically ensure that you fulfill my command. But don't say that you love me, but you don't obey my command. Because if you say you love me, but you break my commandments continuously, it shows me that you don't really love me. John 1, 5, 3, 2, 5, it says, This is love for God, to obey his commandments. And, this commandments are not, and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus uh, said in Luke uh, 4, verse 19, says, and he has come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I'm going to look, look at that next week where I believe that we are God. There's a difference between 
Do you, do you, have you seen some people just seem to have the favor of God in their life? Hey? Who wants the favor of God in their lives? We're going to look at that next week. Having the favor of God. And how do you ensure that you have the favor of God? And here he says, I have come to bring favor upon your life. And we're going to have a look at that. My question to you this morning is, are you living in Shechem or Dotham? Where are you living? Are you living under grace or are you living under law? Hello? Romans 6 verse 1 to 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? I died to sin. Why? Because I've chosen to love him with all of my heart and mind and soul and strength. Therefore, irrespective of how you treat me, I can love you as my neighbor. The way I'm supposed to, as Christ would love you. But unless the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, how do you love your neighbor as yourself? You cannot. Hebrews 10 verse 26 27 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. But only a fearful expectation of judgment. That is frightening. Right. Who of you? Keep on. Keep on. In the cycle of sin. Doing the same thing. Over and over again. You need to repent today. And make right with God. And say Lord I ask you. To break the cycle in my life. I want to live. Under your grace and your favor. I'm trying in my own strength to overcome this, but I can't. And you have to acknowledge it. Because if you think you can, you can't. If you think you're one day going to, you're not going to, unless you have his love shed abroad in your heart. To fulfill the commandments and to obey them, you cannot do it in your own strength. I cannot do it in my own strength. But I can if the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Because then I can worship him in spirit and in truth. And my focus can be on him. And in so doing I fulfill his law. God doesn't want us to live on the, the do's and the don'ts. And don't go with the girls that do. And all of those. He wants us to live in love and in adoration for him. And in thanksgiving. Because he came to set us free from the law of sin and death. Why? Because we deserve it? No, because of his grace. He gave he gave the land of the Canaanites to Abraham because of his grace, because of his kindness, not because of anything Abraham did. Joseph is in the prison. God knows his predicament. God knows what's going on. And just like that, takes him to be the head of Egypt and has all the power in Egypt. He becomes the top notch, second to Pharaoh. Just like that, overnight. When God says it is time, it is time. And some of you are going through tough times. I know that. I accept that. And you think, man, this pit experience or this prison experience is just not going to end. And you, you, one day goes past and two days and two weeks and it just carries on, just doesn't stop. I want to encourage you, do not look at your situation. Do not look at your prison experience or your pit. Because that is not where God wants you to stay. He wants you to 
go to the palace. But you, your focus needs to be on the palace. If you are looking here at the pit in the prison that you find yourself with the trouble or the hardship or the trial and the tribulation, you will never get to the palace. I belong in the palace. I am called to be the head, not the tail. But I have to believe that God, is, God has destined me for greatness. I've got to believe that what he says is true in Jeremiah. I have plans to prosper you and to give you hope and a future. I, you, you individually have to believe that. You can believe the lie that you're useless, no good, not going to accomplish anything, and well, you just do that, I'm going to eat worms. You're welcome to believe that. I ain't going to choose to believe or live like that. Hello? And you are unwise to choose to think in that realm. Don't think of it. Don't see this as a temporary situation where God is forming and molding me and transforming me and I'm on, I'm on his wheel. Just don't jump off. That's all I want to encourage you. Do not jump off. Allow him to form you into what he wants you to be. That when he, it's, he's done, he can say, wow, my good. And faithful servant. And I know there are times that every single one of us want to jump off that wheel. And just say, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I want to give up. And some of you feel like that at this point. Some of you feel like that at this moment. Keep your eyes on him. The author and perfecter of your faith. Do not look at your situation. The God of grace is here to set you free. The God of mercy and of kindness one that shows favor, even when you do not deserve to be shown favor, wants to show you incredible favor. Joseph, a shadow of Jesus Christ, when he meets his brothers again, what should he have done? He should have taken them, put them in prison, or beheaded them. Not so. Yet when they come, he he cries over them. His own brothers that betrayed him, that caused him... Twelve years of hardship and misery and heartbreak and brokenness. He envelops them in love and he cries over them. Wow. Just like Jesus does the same over every one of you. Even though we have sinned in so many different ways and hurt him, he cries over us to the extent where that he even gives his life. That's how much he loves us. May we never forget this and may we say, Lord, because of this, I choose from this day forth to live every day of my life from here in the land of Shechem, in the land of grace. I will not no longer live under laws and regulations and trying to fulfill a certain set. I just cannot do it. Help me to fall in love with you and in so doing, fulfill the law. But I'm not going to live there. Under legalism. I'm going to live in love for you. Come let's pray. Father God I thank you for every single person here. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you came. To this world. So that we could have life. And have it to the full. Forgive us Lord. Where we've been. Focused on our momentary troubles and hardships and trials and tribulations and our prison experience. Meanwhile, you are working in us and through us to fulfill your great plans through our lives. Lord, where we have dabbled in sin and godlessness and even where we've been 
where we've kept on going back to the vomit of life. Forgive us. Help us to let go of the things that are pulling us back. But we know that that can only happen when we choose to fall in love with you. And so, Lord, our focus from this day forth is to fall in love with you all over again. Thank you that you love us with an unending, ever-enduring love. Thank you that you promise never to leave us or forsake us. Even when we are unfaithful, you promised never to leave us or forsake us. Hence, it is our privilege and our honor to put our trust and our hope in you and you alone. Forgive us where we put our trust in our own ingenuity, intelligence, and abilities, and even putting our trust in our loved ones. Forgive us, Lord. We choose to put our trust in you. Thank you that you are a solid rock. Saying thank you that you are a refuge in time of need, in trouble, that we can run to. And we choose to be embraced under the shadow of your goodness and under the shadow of your grace and your mercy and your favor and your kindness and your love. And we ask that your love would come and just shed abroad in our heart. That as we love you and we learn to love you with all of our heart and soul and strength. And worship you in spirit and in truth. That we would fulfill your righteous law. That we will fulfill loving people as you would love them. And so Lord I pray that you would go with every one of us. Thank you that even though at this present moment in time we might be in a, in a prison experience. Thank you that that's not where we're going to stay. And we will no longer focus on where we're at. We will focus on where you want to take us. Help us to lift up our eyes this day. And see the great plans and the destinies that you have for each and every one of us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. Far beyond what we can dream or imagine. And Lord, I pray that you would just lift up our feeble hands. And that you would uplift our spirits. And that you transform our minds. That we would think the way you would have us think. Help us to believe what you say. Help us to believe the truth. And that is that you love us. Even in our sin. Even in our maya. But you do not want us to stay there. Thank you for the grace that you show us. Even when we sin. But thank you that you do not want us to stay there. Because that's not where we belong. Thank you that we are headed towards the palace. And I pray that every single one of us would have our eyes focused on the palace, the end to which you are wanting to take us. And I pray that you would grow us and mature us in our most holy faith, and that we would become all that you have called us to become, that when you one day take us home, that you will say, my good and faithful servant, that is our heart's desire, And our hearts cry. We bless you Lord. And I pray your blessing upon every single one here. I pray that your favor would be upon every person here. That you would go with us. I pray that Holy Spirit. That the fellowship and the intimacy. That we have with you would just grow. And get stronger. And that we would truly understand and know what it means to love you. And to worship you in spirit and in truth. We bless you in this house.
Not just now, but always. In your precious name we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. God bless you guys. May you live in Shechem all the days of your life. Please come share some tea and coffee before you run.